Welcome to You Have Me at Hello, my name is Kate. And I'm Callum. This is a podcast where we talk through our favourite rom-coms, we discuss our best bits, our worst bits, and what we would do differently. We then take the dating theme and extract it from the film and discuss that with someone who's either experienced that exact thing or an expert in that particular subject. Amazing, and I'm so excited for today because we're going to be talking about such a classic film that I think is known pretty much worldwide. It's such a popular one. I, so I was talking about this particular film recently with somebody and they hadn't seen it. And I was absolutely shocked. I nearly fell off my chair and I forced them to watch it because I was like, if there's any rom-com that you need to see, it's this one. And it is, of course, Bridget Jones's Diary. So exciting. And it's actually the first ever one. I think 2001, I think it was filmed. Super old school. Which is crazy. That's like 19, 20 years ago. The original. So crazy, isn't it? It came out when we were kids. But it's aged so well. Like watching it again, I was like, this this could have been released yesterday. I know. And I love that it's in London as well, because obviously we're Londoners. It's just quite nice. It's quite close to our hearts, I think. It is. So, Kate, what was your best bit from Bridget Jones's Diary? So my best bit, really small scene, but made such an impact, I think. Um, When Bridget was laying down on the floor in her dress and Hugh slightly pulls up her dress and he's like complimenting her everything. And then he's like, an enormous pants. (laughs) It's like this, this whole, like such a small thing, but this whole kind of culture around having Bridget Jones pants evolved and kind of now even to this day it's like me and my girlfriends will say yeah we've got a pair of Bridget Jones pants like that's just a thing yeah. from that small scene it's just that's my favorite bit I just thought it was iconic I, I also thought like as a guy the way he handled it he didn't like the mood never got ruined like it, it continued to stay sexy you know like he made it funny and he like he made a joke of it but he rolled with it so well that, like, she instantly felt comfortable. Like, you know, she was really, really self-conscious. And then the way he was just like, oh, no, Bridget, I love it, you saucy minx. And then just carried on. (laughs) He's very sexy and smooth with his words. Like, just incredible. How a guy should be. What what, what are you trying to say, Kate? You're trying to say that, you know, there's no no smoothness here? Uh, uh, Moving on. Uh, your favorite bit my favorite bit was i mean it's not a romantic bit at all but i personally think this is what makes bridget jones one of the best films ever um and it was the fight between colin firth and hugh grant because the reason Mm. i loved it so much is because it's exactly what a real fight is like it's chaotic it's a bit silly there's not like professional punching and kicking going on it's just a scrap the kind of thing that you would see at school Mm, I know through the glass window and everything (laughs) funny it was just so messy and like when you sort of (laughs) see like them like sort of half kick each other and you know kind of get in a headlock and and then like sort of jump on each other and like it's it's just such a messy fight that I love it because it's exactly you know, I, I mean, I haven't been in many fights as a, as a kid, but, but any fight that I, I, you know, secondary school was rough. Um, yeah. There was always fights, but they were always like that, that, you know, they weren't just, oh, I'm going to punch you in the face. You'll punch me in the face <laughs> and there'll be a, pr- pr- pr-, you know, it was, it's just chaotic Very and messy. I just love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. 
I love that scene. So what would you do differently? What was the scene or, or, or character that you would embody that you personally felt wasn't quite right and you would do differently? Um, so again, not a particular, well, kind of a particular scene, but more again, an overarching theme of the film. So at the very beginning, Bridget decides um, that she wants to start sort of like writing down her calories and writing down her weight. And she's like, okay, I've got to lose weight and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Eventually, obviously, she realizes that she's fine the way she is. But I think at the beginning, my worst bit was just that whole influence of sort of like diet culture and stuff. I just am cringing at. I think now because we're so um, kind of elevated from that kind of point of view, it's you look back and you're like, okay, I recognize it. But at the point, like that was quite dangerous, I think, for girls watching. But what I would have done differently is at the beginning, I think when you're single and you're feeling a little bit shitty, I would never look at myself and be like, okay, you know, physically, what do I need to change? Like, ever I think you just need to embrace being single in a good way like injecting your energy into better things like you know improving your career or or doing x y and z and yeah that was just my worst bet I was like come on Bridget like there's there's better things obviously it evolves towards the end but um that was my worst bit bit of a girly moment there but (laughs) anti-diet culture (laughs) no to be fair and actually I think in a way Bridget Jones diary kind of was probably the start of of celebrating uh more normal body shapes because that film as a whole did kind of say do you know what you don't need to be this you know size zero model uh in order to find love and and she ends up having two men like fighting over her even though she was competing against like you know for example the the girl that comes over from new york who she you know refers to as a stick insect or whatever you know bridget jones is constantly that that every every woman exactly for sure and I wish it's nice that I think we experienced that evolution throughout the film um but I kind of wish that it was never mentioned at the beginning and I also think like Bridget like is not even like yeah she's a little bit curvy but she's gorgeous you know I fancy Bridget (laughs) to be fair I, I I as I was like watching it um I felt myself getting more and more like smitten with her yeah like just by the end of it I was like well, go go away, Mr. Darcy. I, I want a bit of Bridget, you know? Like it, was, it was... She. she I think there's something infectious about her quirkiness and her just, like, clumsiness and stupidness all combined. It's yeah. very endearing, just mm. as she is. Yes, that's absolutely it. Yeah, so it was a good lesson towards the end, for sure. Um, yeah, what was your worst bit and what would you do differently, Callum? So I think if I was to, like, take on the character of Colin Firth's Mr. Darcy, right? Okay, mm-hmm. I I thought it was a bit absurd that um, he hated her when he met her. Then he kind of continued to sort of ignore her or dismiss her and not really have that much communication with her. Like he would kind of observe her from afar, like at the book launch, she was doing a speech and he sort of watches her crash and burn. Or when they were on the lake in the boats, you know, he's seeing her having fun on her boat. But he never really kind of engaged with her much or had any kind of conversation. Um, he also had a serious girlfriend. Um, and then he leaves the the meal at the same time she does, comes down the stairs, says that lovely speech where he's like, you know, d- d- despite everything, Bridget, you know, whether it's your, your smoking and, you know, you drink like a, a fish and you wear your stupid mother's clothes, blah, blah, blah. 
but I like you just as you are, like, or just the way you are, or, or whatever the, the exact phrase is. And I just, it just seemed like such a curveball. I was like, where has this come from? Because if, if I was him, I would have either been making more efforts to kind of speak to her or get to know her, or, mm. you know, be close to her prior to that. But out of the blue, suddenly he's just like, oh no, I really, really like you. I'm like, what do you mean? So like, I, yeah. I feel like if I was him, I would have done that differently. Why do you think that was though? Why do you not think that he made an effort at the beginning? Or do you think he was like dismissive and then all of a sudden realised, oh my gosh, I might lose her and then jumped back into the game? I, this is the thing that confuses me. There's never really, like if you watch the film back, there's never a moment where you think, oh, actually you can see he suddenly likes her. Mm. Like, you know, there, there was sort of that envy of, of him and um, Daniel Cleaver, you know, having a bit of fun in the boat. But you you never really like. There's a few looks he gives where he's like, mm, okay, but but to to go from that to I'm willing to throw away my long term relationship for you, you. You'd be surprised about how often that happens with guys. Genuinely, what they they just throw away their relationship for you, Kate? They just no 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 no. I think they just they snap. They love you. That's what it is. You're just too you're just too charming. That's what it is. I, I find, and I find a lot of my friends have found that sometimes guys just like snap and they're like no I like you and they're like super serious all of a sudden I don't think that very often it's incremental in my experience interesting so uh, a few Colin Firths in the world out there I I reckon that 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 kind of links with the idea of him maybe being in a relationship that he wasn't 100% happy in um, because he clearly he clearly was sort of coasting in that relationship and that's also what I would do differently you know, for him to just fall for Bridget, it means that he obviously wasn't very happy in the relationship he was in. That screams red flags as well. If you're not happy in the relationship, leave it. Exactly. Hi, Jackie. Thank you so much for joining me and Kate here. Um, we are, this whole episode, we've been talking about Bridget Jones and being single and what that means. Um, but that theme, we felt needed an expert, didn't we, Kate? We did indeed. So we found Jackie through Instagram. She is a singles coach. We're so excited to have you on the show, Jackie. Woo, this is so fun. <laughs> what is a singles coach? Such a good question. I get that question a lot. Um, I think that there's such a stigma around being single and it's like poor you you're single or poor me I'm single I'm at this age I should have x y and z and we make it a really really bad thing but what I have found in my own personal life and with my clients is single is your freaking gold it is your gold if you choose to have it be your gold so what happened with me is I had hit my total, total rock bottom, couldn't get out of bed for two months. And I'm laying there thinking, what is the common denominator in all of the unfulfillment in my life? It just like popped into my head one day and I'm like, there's gotta be something to blame this on. You know, all the breakups and being single and I'm in my thirties and I hate my job and I don't make enough money. Like there's gotta be something to blame it on, blame it on. And then I realized, oh my gosh, it's me. And then I was like, it's me. <laughs> it was just like the worst answer ever. But after a couple minutes of, of marinating in it, I realized, holy cow, if it's me, then that means I have the power to change it. So I took my single time as a gift 
And I really, really utilized it. I hired a life coach for six months straight. That's all I did. I I mean, I wasn't working. I had no money coming in. I spent $5,000. I want a new credit card. I'm like, let's do it. And I really looked at where my patterns were stemming from, where my limiting beliefs were stemming from, why I was choosing the type of people or constantly having the same type of breakup over and over and over so that I didn't have to keep repeating that in my life because I was the common denominator. So as a singles coach, I help you no longer feel lonely when you're at at home. So many singles feel lonely, right? They want to go and hook up and do all these things just because they're looking to fill a void. But when we can find that fulfillment inside of ourselves instead of externally, that's where our power is at. So that is what I help people do. That's amazing. Thank you. (laughs) We're both single. So that was actually really nice to hear. (laughs) And I I mean, I'm notoriously single and uh, people (laughs) often say to me like, oh, Callum, I'm single. And I'm like, yeah, I'm single. It's Mm. great. Like, this is amazing. Thing. Yeah, it should be celebrated. I'm like newly single, very, very newly single. And I'm actually adjusting to it again, but I'm really happy. And I'm just excited about spending more time with myself. So. I love so, hearing that. Kate, yeah. Kate is a very rare exception um, because I have a few other friends that are newly single and it's it's not as smooth and they're not as 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 happy and as as self-assured and 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 confident as as the wonderful Kate here so what kind of (laughs) advice would you give to someone who is newly single so much advice like I have so many tips for you guys that I actually made a list because I'm like I don't want to forget anything so if you see me glancing over that's why so first of all as soon as you're single I highly recommend take the time to heal deal and then move on, okay? I went through a, well, quite a few of horrific breakups. Um, But the one thing that I always did was jump from relationship to relationship to relationship. And people that I knew that I wasn't even really close to were like, Jackie, don't you think you should take time to heal? Like you, you just lived with someone who broke up with you by not coming home. It's a week later, you have somebody else that you're dating. And I was like, no, I feel totally great. I'm totally fine. Mm. I was in denial, hardcore denial. And that relationship ultimately ended up ending the same way. And honestly, fast forward, we're going to get deep here for a second. But fast forward three years later, I was really, really sick. In the, in the I mean, like, I would be like this and peppy and then all of a sudden something would hit me like something slapped me across the face and I would be done like lethargic. I would need three to five hour naps every single day and I saw doctors and had blood tests and they're like, you're fine, you're fine or maybe, you know, we're just going to put you on a pill. I'm like, no, like, like what is wrong with me? And so I saw a functional medicine doctor because one day it took everything in my power to turn my steering wheel left. Like that's how low energy I would get. So I started sobbing. I'm like, mom, I can't live like this anymore. What's wrong? Saw the functional medicine doctor and my adrenals, which is where we get our energy from. We're completely shot, which also has to deal with a lot of stress in our lives. Those can get very much, uh, deplete it. My hormones were that of a postmenopausal woman. Uh, even my testosterone was almost gone and the good bacteria in my digestive tract Normal is 120 to 280, and I had 12. 
<laughs> and wow. now our yeah, and our our guts, our stomachs actually relay more information to our brain than our brain to our stomach. So that's essentially like a part of your brain not working. So things were shutting down inside of my body and we didn't know why. And I was about to go back to LA. That's when I lived with the guy who we were madly in love with, who broke up with me by just not coming home. And I had been to LA since then multiple times and I felt fine. But this time I was actually going back for a self-development program and I was getting all of this anxiety. And I was like, why is this anxiety there? And I realized it was because I never dealt with that breakup. So for the first time ever, and I had just created Burn, which is my breakup program. And I was like, oh my God, I can't give this to people. I'm going to be so hypocritical. You know, I have a, a breakup that I haven't actually dealt with, but I didn't realize it. So when I actually put myself through that and I got the emotions out that were around that breakup for the very first time, I thought I was just going to be sad. Anger. Seven hours worth of anger that I didn't know was there. That was a Sunday. I saw my doctor the following Friday. She's like, I don't know what's wrong with you. I was like, I guess I'm going to tell you. Uh, I just got my emotions out for seven hours on Sunday, and I haven't needed a nap since. I was like, for three years. And I'm like, oh, my God, three years. That was the exact amount of time when me and that guy broke up. And I had never dealt with those emotions. And what I was doing was not only our organs cry, what our eyes don't cry, but I was literally calling in and attracting situations that mirrored that breakup. So every single one of my breakups after that pretty much ended the same exact way because like energy attracts like energy. So all that to say, please take that time to heal, deal, and move on if you don't want to repeat the same patterns. Second of all, I would love if you give yourself permission to feel what you need to. Because so many times we're like, but I cried. But the whole time you're crying, you're thinking, but I shouldn't be feeling this way. I should be over it. <laughs> and that little layer of should and guilt is a layer of emotional energy that you're not letting out. So give yourself permission to feel it. Emotions are just energy in motion. They're supposed to come through, we experience them, and then they're gone. But our society is like, it comes through, we're like, mm, this one doesn't feel good. This one's not cute. It's not strong to feel this one. I'm just going to shove it down, and I'm going to carry it around with me everywhere and attract more and more and more of it. So give yourself permission to feel those emotions. Next, I really do not recommend getting under someone to get over someone. <laughs> <laughs> Though it's instant gratification, two different things are happening here. One, hearts are at stake. There's another person in the equation. And if you're, you, you, in a sense, that's super selfish and you're using them to make your own self feel better. Don't do that to somebody because what if they end up really liking you and you're emotionally not ready or available? That sucks. Second part is men and women release oxytocin when we're intimate. For women, it can last up to two weeks. For men, it lasts about two to three days. We all hear that love is blind, right? It's because of that bonding hormone. So a lot of times we think that we're in love with this person, but really we're just attached and we're blinded by all their flaws. So guess what you're going to do? You're just going to get yourself in another situation with the wrong person. <laughs> so yeah. don't do it. Don't do it. You want to kiss <laughs> or something, you know, like have some fun makeout sessions, things like that. But other than that, I would take your time. 
So um, you can you can you can go you know go out on a night out, be a bit flirty, you know, make out with some people, yeah. but do not <laughs> take them to the bedroom because you will get attached, <laughs> and like and you could be attached for up to two weeks if you're female, and two to three days if you're a guy. Mm-hmm. That's insane. That's mm-hmm. a dangerous sign. So those hormones are only released during sex, not any other time. They are released at other times, especially like with parents and their babies and stuff like that. But I know many of us and I even have clients who will be like, no, I just want to have fun. I'm just going to go out and have fun. <laughs> That's and I'm so like, me. <laughs> baby girl, like <laughs> you can't tell a light bulb. you like a light bulb can't be like, you know what? I'm only going to shine this much light out of my light bulb today instead of all of my light. Same thing. We can't be like, I'm only going to release this much oxytocin instead of all mm. of it. It's just going to happen. So mm. so be a little responsible with your oxytocin. How about that? <laughs> You've absolutely yeah. ruined me because, you know, I was there just clearing up with all the newly single girls and just saying, you know, oh, yeah, you need, you need, you need to get over it. Now they're going to listen to this and they're going to say, keep away from me, okay? Keep your oxytocin levels away from me. Well, Thanks. and then you're going to be like, oh my God, I feel like she's a stage five clinger. Why is she a clinger? We've only hooked up once. We've only gone out on one date. Yeah. You did that to her. <laughs> I'm just kidding. God, no, but you know what? That makes so much sense. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really, really interesting. And, and just while we're on that topic, um, Alison Armstrong talks about this a lot and you typically see women around month three being like, well, what are we? What's going on? And then by month nine, month 10, they're usually like, you're either in this for the long haul or you're not. And it's because, and this is so interesting, talking about hormones and our and, and the biology in our brain, it takes a woman three months to have, uh, if she's pregnant, for the baby to be like a full fetus. So that's where she's starting to wonder, okay, what is this? What's going on? Am I going to be a single mom? Like, we got to take this to the next level. And then at nine months, the baby's born. And she's like, it's life. So biologically, that's what's going on. I think it's so what? interesting. That's insane. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy because I find, I know it's a stereotype, but I find that women do sort of ask that question before the men do. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting. Mm. But do, do, do men have any time periods like that, hormonally or anything, when they sort of instinctually think that? Not that I'm aware of. No, men are terrible, terrible, terrible. Okay? Men, men are just, just terrible. chill the whole way through. Yeah. We, we've already established this on previous episodes. Men are just terrible. I, I know this. I'm, I'm going to be a spokesperson for my gender. We are. That's, that's it. I have no comment. <laughs> I guess that takes us to our next question. I I think sort of if a person is newly single, should they be dating uh, sort of multiple people at the same time um, in fear of sort of getting those those hormones or those instincts or how should they play it, do you think? Yeah, so there's three different types of attachment styles and usually we get those between the ages of zero and seven from our parents, whatever that that at-home dynamic looked like. It could even happen in school or when we're older, um, but typically that's when it happens. And they're secure, avoidant, and attached. I actually have a really fun YouTube video coming out with Barbie dolls <laughs> explaining this. <laughs> It'll be, it's going to be really fun. Um, but 
if you find that you are more of an anxious attachment style, and that was me, I was full-blown anxious attachment style. I was the one begging, pleading for guys to stay. I was the one chasing them. I was doing more, 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 more. It felt very uncomfortable for me to date more than one person. I'm like, that's so unfair. People's time, energy, money, one and I, I am talking about gender roles here in a sense, but we are also talking about, like we just talked about a, from a biological standpoint, men in general are more designed to pursue. And so allowing the man and giving him space, especially if you're a girly girl like I am and and I want a masculine man in my life, I have to create space for that. I can't be the one planning the dates and stuff like that. But we also need to create space for him to be the one to say, you. I want you out of all the girls and lock it down, which in that sense, if you are an anxious attachment style, I highly invite you to get a little uncomfortable and date multiple people until that person has committed to you because you're committed to someone who's not committed to you. And that's going to make you feel even more anxious. And so if you can just practice observing, enjoy observe and see are their actions aligned with their words not one or the other they both have to be aligned and let them commit to you before you commit to them um now if you are an avoidant attachment style and like we talked about earlier serial dating and jumping from one person to the next person because you can't commit if you have commitment issues. I'm feeling attacked. I'm feeling attacked. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> that can be overcome if you choose, okay? Typically, I'd say 95% of my clients are either a mix of attachment styles with definitely anxious in there or they're full-blown anxious. And there's a reason for that because avoidant attachment styles avoid things. It's really uncomfortable. They don't want to talk about their emotions and their feelings. They want to push you away before you can push them away because they know that love always hurts. And so they'll jump from relationship to relationship to relationship. He's taking notes. He's like, yeah. uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes, yes. But they're usually the last ones typically to ask for help. So if you you know, if you find that you're, and you'll usually see an anxious and an avoidant get into a relationship together. And that's like cat chases dog. So in the beginning, and you could tell us, Callan, if this is true, in the beginning, do you kind of come on strong? Yes. Hmm. How does. did I know? Yeah. This is freaking me Are out. Are you I'm the kidding. one that, that usually pulls away? Yes. Oh, how did I know? <laughs> and then they end up being really, really clingy. And would you like oh me to gosh. explain why? <laughs> I don't yes, like I the fact that I'm so easily read. I feel I've, I've, I thought I was a snowflake, but clearly I'm not. I'm you are a snowflake. Statistic. Your energy is super fun. You're super unique. And yes, when it comes to this, <laughs> we're all in one of three groups for the most part. One in four groups. Um, I can explain it here, or you guys can watch my YouTube video when it comes out. But but typically you'll see the avoidant come on strong in the beginning and the anxious one is usually like, mm, I'm not sure, like, let's just take our time. And I'm like, no, I'm not like any of the other guys or or this could be a girl too, but we'll use it for, for this situation here. Like, no, 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 I'm not like them. It's going to be great. I really like you. And then as soon as the anxious person is like, 
well, okay, I'm on board. It might be good for a tiny little bit, and then the avoidance starts to pull away. And the mm. anxious feels it, and they're like, they used to call me every single day, or they used to text me good morning every single morning. They're not doing it. Like, I, and the avoidant is like, you're crazy. You're, you're crazy. Like, nothing's changed, mm. blah, blah, blah. And everybody, humans pick up on patterns and habits. Look at Callan. <laughs> <laughs> Are you guilty of this, Callum? Just say absolutely no comment to absolutely everything. I'm just going to just be quiet for the rest of the podcast. This is fantastic. I, I love it. But this is great because most avoidance don't learn this stuff. So the fact that you're getting to learn it, like you have a leg up on all the guys out there right now. I'm just, just saying because girls are usually attracted to avoidance. So there you go. Um, so so then the, the anxious person is like, wait, wait, where did you go? Let me do more. Maybe I did something wrong. So they come on a little bit stronger. And now they're the one pursuing the avoidant. And the avoidant is like, whoa, this is way too much. They start to pull away more. The more they pull away, the anxious is like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, let me wipe your butt for you. Like, I will do anything. Like, please stay. And you're like, oh, my God, this is way too much. And then eventually the anxious person is like, well, that's it. I guess it's over. Like, I don't know what else to do. I've done everything that I can. And they break up. And then Callan shows up. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, wait, where did you go? Where did you go? Here's a little breadcrumb or here's a grand gesture. I really want you back. And the anxious is like, are you sure? And then they're like, yeah. So then the anxious says, okay. And they get back in and then the same thing happens on repeat until it's over. (laughs) This is crazy. No, but literally you're explaining past situations for me as well. Mm -hmm. It's insane. I've never thought about it like this. And Callum, I can't believe that you're the avoider. I knew I, this little one was the avoider when I when I when I stalked you. <laughs> Jackie, what do you think I am? I think I mean I don't I, I don't know much about your situation, but I think that you are a mix of secure and anxious. Okay, yeah. What do you think? I know I think the same. <laughs> and I think that, that Callan, you're probably a mix of, of avoidant and secure. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to say to all the listeners, <laughs> I'm not that bad, but you did accurately describe 70% of my entire love life <laughs> for the last 10 to 15 years. So, yeah. Thank so, you Ben, you are welcome. And as a coach, speaking of what I do for singles, you guys would come to me being like, this is my pattern. And then the fun would begin. And we dive mm. super, super deep all the way to your childhood and we figure out why these things are there i give super cool tools to change them and then when you go back out into the dating world game changer so we um we actually put this out to our listeners our our audience as it were um and we asked them some of the best and their worst things about being single okay Um, and some of the responses were just hilarious but some of them, I think, might actually link to um, to what you might have to say. And it'd be interesting to hear your perspective on these things, right? Yeah. So one of the things that people enjoyed about being single was not having to deal with anyone's bullshit. Um, <laughs> not having to share food. <laughs> then, oh, and, um, I like and, sharing uh, food. freedom to do whatever you want, basically. This, this was a common theme. It's just basically being free and 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 not having this sort of responsibility Mm -hmm. and one of the negatives 
was a lack of sex. Now, you've just said to us that sex <laughs> equates to oxytocin. So what do the horny, horny singles do to avoid <laughs> themselves getting in a situation where they are going to fall madly in love with someone if they end up sleeping with them, but also they're horny? <laughs> I love that you just brought all of this to the table because this is actually the exact reason why um, I'm a full life transformation coach and master practitioner of neurolinguistic programming. But there's a reason why I got into singles. <laughs> and it's for the exact thing that you just said. And it's because in my own life, um, I lived in Denver for a long time and and basically everybody dates each other. We call it incestual <laughs> because it's big city, small town. But what I saw, and there's a reason for what you just said, was even co-ed groups of friends hanging out and they get, they get their attention fulfilled. They even get a little bit of affection fulfilled because they can flirt. They can go out and do whatever they want. They don't have to get hurt. And now what's missing? Sex. Intimacy. So they go out and they hook up with people and then my friends would come home and they'd be like, oh, I just want to find somebody. I just want to find somebody. Like, I'm so lonely, but I'm going to keep going out and getting that one little void fulfilled because the ultimate thing that's being avoided there is vulnerability. People have been hurt in the past by something and they don't want to get hurt again. So how can I keep my freedom? How can I know that I'm safe? without having to put myself out there to get hurt and still have sex. So that's the reason for it, in my opinion. Um, and so my goal is to help people be okay with getting vulnerable and opening up their hearts so that they, they can have like healthy freedom within a relationship. Because if you were to see us two secure people dating, totally healthy relationship. They have their freedom. They can go on vacations. They can go hang out with their friends. They know love goes, love comes back. So the majority of those people are more than likely have either, are either avoidant or anxious, or they've been in a relationship with an extreme avoidant or anxious, which makes them feel like they don't have freedom. So my tip would be don't settle and wait until you find someone that's more secure where you can have that freedom because it does exist. It does exist out there. I don't know if that helps answer the question. No, I think it does. I, I, I know some of the people that I would say are couple goals in my friendship circles and stuff, they have that freedom, that independence, you know, all of the things that single people celebrate, they have that. They, you know, they can go on holidays with their friends and things like that, and there's never a, a concern or, or a worry or an anxiety about it. Mm -hmm. um, whereas I've also witnessed uh, other friends in relationships that it's, ridiculous it's almost like a human jail that they're in mm -hmm. and and it's because of obviously it seems the the kind of the anxious personality and i would ask them though it's not our job to do anything or make anybody feel a certain way right <clears throat> but when we are in a partnership i think it's fair to say and even ask your friends you know if you need a different viewpoint if my partner is feeling insecure, is there something that I'm doing? Because if all of, if you're a guy and all of your friends are girls and your girlfriend hasn't met any of these girls, of course she's going to feel insecure. If, um, 
if if your partner has been cheated on in the past and you're pretty like flaky or won't let them see your phone, it's always flipped over because you have issues around boundaries and stuff like that, then that might be on you as well as on them. And those are things to look at. So like an anxious person and a, and a secure person can totally have a healthy relationship. They can totally have a healthy relationship. The secure person actually helps the anxious person person feel less anxious. So, um, but it's about working together in that dynamic and not only blaming the other person. Actually, my Instagram post is about this today. It's not only about blaming the other person is where can I also take responsibility in this? I'm just moving on to the next question. Well, I feel like there were more, we sort of put it out to our audience, um, pros and cons of being single. So they're more just sort of discussion points, but someone came back saying advice uh, to actually a single person is give yourself time to be single and don't rush back into it, which I suppose is kind of what you were saying. Just sort of process your emotions, be on your own. And then when you're ready, go back into the dating game. But is there any sort of opinion or advice that you can give um, coming back to that? Yeah. And, and also get clear on your standards, get clear on your non-negotiables. Mm. That's something I work mm. with my clients on a lot. And it is a game changer, even for myself, get clear on those non-negotiables. So you're not like, well, I don't want to smoke, date a smoker. And then you see a smoker and you're like, well, maybe they won't smoke around me or maybe they'll quit. And now it's six months later well, and now we're fighting. <laughs> but this is, this is actually something I struggle with because I have non-negotiables, but I feel like when I fall for someone, I just disregard those. And that's, I just think like, oh, love is love, like whatever. But is that a bad thing? Yeah. Should I stick to my non-negotiables? <laughs> so I always have my clients make a would like to have list and a must have mm-hmm. list. And I intentionally keep it in the positive versus deal breakers because our subconscious mind is going to focus on those things. So if we're like, I don't want a smoker, guess what it's going to look for? A bunch of smokers. But if we say I want someone mm. smoke free or substance free, it's going to go out and look look for someone that's more substance free. So I would get really, really clear because if you find that you're breaking all of those Mm non-negotiables, maybe they're not really non-negotiables for you. Or maybe you get to work on boundaries a little bit, which can be fun and uncomfy. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's so difficult. I feel like if you have chemistry with someone, it's just like chemistry and that's it. I don't know. I'm not sure. Okay, so Alison Armstrong and bring her up again. She brings up such a good point. And I got to say, so I'm a coach that always has coaches because I believe that's how much I believe in coaching and you got to stay in the work. And all of my coaches who are married all kind of say the same thing that it's not, it's not the butterflies. Like your person doesn't give you butterflies. Your person is your person that when you hold their hand, you feel safe. And Alison Armstrong talks about if you meet somebody on a scale of one to 10 and they're an eight, nine or 10 on the attraction level, she's like, run, (laughs) run far away. She's like, because men will act like they have way more money, have way more accomplishments than they actually have to try to get this girl because they're so attracted to her. And women will bend themselves into a pretzel to fit into this guy's life because she's so attracted Mm -hmm. to him. But if you find someone that's like a six or a seven on the attractive scale, now there's room for other components like a spiritual connection, a um, intellectual connection, Mm -hmm. all these other different connections. Do you know what? I'm not even going to lie. This is so (laughs) funny because my dad 
has constantly said this to me. He said, Callum, stop going for these 10 out of 10s. Find yourself a six, right? <laughs> and I was like, shut up. Like, no. Um, and now you've just said it too. That's hilarious. <laughs> now, I'm not set telling anybody here to settle, okay? I want to be mm. very clear on that. Do not settle at all. I think that you definitely 1,011% should be attracted to the person that you're with. Because if you're not, you might as well just date your best friend if you're not going to be intimate. Like, that's really mm-hmm. the only thing that's different, you know? You definitely want to be attracted to them. Just not in a way that's blinding you from other important things like non-negotiables. I love it. I love it. I think that's such a such an interesting point. Basically, steer <laughs> away from the, the Calvin Klein and the Victoria's Secret models because they're just going to blind you with their beauty, you know? And still want to be attracted to them, but just steer away from those... Mm-hmm gods and goddesses that shouldn't even be walking the earth anyway (laughs) but maybe maybe somebody thinks that that they're like a seven right like we might think that they're a 10 and they might be attracted to them physically at a seven and then it'll work it it can work out you know and i'm also not saying that it can't work out with somebody on a on a 10 like we all want the 10 but when it was broken down like that i mean it really makes sense you know have someone that it's essentially have someone that you connect with on all the levels and if it happens to be a 10 10 10 10 10 and you guys have space for that and you're not only having sex amazing (laughs) amazing i mean it's 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 interesting because our next episode uh following this uh so make sure you're subscribing if you're listening is all about the kind of leagues um, oh, and you know, sixes and tens and where you know where which is a whole separate conversation but you've led into it very nicely the mm-hmm. um the final part from from our audience that we kept getting uh one of the, the cons of being single um was loneliness so very much bridget jones-esque and which is why we extracted this theme from the film bridget jones as well you know, that, that famous scene where she's, <laughs> she's singing to all by myself. She's got a Ben and Jerry's, you know, she's, you know, just mm-hmm. wailing at the top of lungs in pajamas. Yeah. Like, especially in lockdown as well. I think this is something that mm-hmm. a lot of singletons mm-hmm. are saying is a con of being single. You know, those Friday nights, those mm-hmm. Saturday nights where... I have so much to say alive. about this. Um, and just cut me off when you need me to stop talking because clearly I'm passionate about this and I could talk forever. <laughs> One, I'm going to go right back to even quarantine. Quarantine is literally the world's gold right now. Not saying I agree with anything or disagree with anything, but in terms of having solitude, there's so much that's been going on in our life where we haven't had solitude. And now is the time to look at those things. Second of all, I, I like to use the analogy with my clients. Like if, you, if you're walking on the street and you saw a sexy stranger and you're like, oh my God, they're so my type. Yes, yes, yes. And then you see them crying to their friends and they're like, I just don't understand. Like, why can't I find a relationship? Like, why doesn't anybody want me? You'd be like, oh, they need some help. Like, never mind. But if you were to see that same stranger... And you hear them say, you know, I just love my life. I love my life. I love everything that I'm creating. I'm working on myself. And I finally decided that when that person comes along, that's for me, just the cherry on the top. But I, I love my life. You'd be like, oh my God, that person's so hot. And what are they having? I want to have it. So please use that analogy when it comes to yourself. Cause I used to be that girl crying on the floor too. And they always say, you know, think of Jerry Maguire. You complete me. 
well, do you really want half of a person? I was like thinking about this yesterday. I'm like, do I, what, what do I get? Like the arm and the leg? Like <laughs> you literally are getting half of a person. It should be two holes coming together. So take this time, find things that light you up again. Okay, a lot of times we get disconnected from that as well. Find things that light you up. Maybe you haven't colored. Maybe you want to play hopscotch by yourself. Maybe it's taking a sexy dance class online or bubble baths. Have romantic moments with life. Chris Evans, Chris Evans, if you're out there, if anybody knows him, I really want to date him. But Chris Evans <laughs> talks about how even when he's in a relationship because he's secure, even when he's in a relationship, he will take a two-week camping trip by himself and he goes and has a romantic moment with life. And he lays there under the stars in amazement and plays sexy music or listens to the crickets. And that's something that I do in my life all the time. And I can honestly say I have not felt lonely in five years. And I've been single for five years. <laughs> I, I love that. The, the cherry on top analogy is is almost identical to what I said to one of the friends that I was talking about uh, at the beginning of the episode. I was like, look, just build your Sunday, be the ultimate ice cream. And then if yes. someone comes along, they're just a cherry on top. So I'm so glad you said that because you just reiterated that. And I'm assuming when yes. you say Chris Evans, you mean Captain America and not the British radio <laughs> presenter that is, is nowhere I near as attractive. I not know who that is. Yes, Captain America. <laughs> Oh my God, that's so funny. <laughs> All of a sudden I get a knock on my door. The, the way you even said Captain America Captain there, America. you're like, Captain America. <laughs> oh, this is so fun. <laughs> this has been really, really useful. Um, and it's been so nice and so relevant to Callum and I to have you on the show. So thank you so much, Jackie. Thank you so much for having me, guys. And let me know, let me know when it's out so I can share it. 100%. And Jackie, I'd just like to say, I'm, I'm really, really, really into you. Like, I'd really like to get to know you some more and, and maybe we should go for some dates Ooh. and stuff like that. And then fast okay. forward three months. My God, Jackie, get away Break from me. Break my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I was it. third wheeling for a second. <laughs> uh, you know what? The <laughs> She's like, what's going on? That's the one note I would like to leave it on. And I actually have a book out coming about this called Sometimes It Takes a Breakup. But one of the biggest things that I realized while writing that book was that our gut always knows. And I want everybody listening to think, when you first met this person, whoever's on your mind, what did your gut tell you? Sometimes it's a knowingness. Sometimes we have a vision. Sometimes we hear something. Sometimes we feel something. What did it tell you? Because more than likely it has the answer. And when I look back and look at it, I'm like, oh my God, my gut knew on every single date with every single one of the guys, this wasn't my guy. And I'm like, mm, that must just be my, my stomach like wanting chocolate right now. Let's just ignore it. <laughs> but I knew, I knew. And then I chose to get myself into all those situations. So listen to your gut. And if it knows when it's not right, then that means it will know when it is right. So wait for it. Love that. Love that. What a good night to finish on. Yeah. And how can everyone find you on social media, Jackie? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram, Jackie underscore Pew, J-A-C-Q-U-I underscore P-U-G-H. And uh, my website is JackiePewUnzipped.com. Like, I mean, I wanted it to sound provocative, but... It does you sound know, provocative, un- to be fair. Uh, <laughs> like, unzipped. That was the point. Okay, uh-huh. excellent. I'll be on that site <laughs> straight away. Exactly. <laughs> 
finally we're unzipping your heart and getting to the core of what's going on so that you can live a fulfilled life. So you can find me on either of those two or on um on Facebook. So just facebook.com forward slash let's get unzipped and you'll see all the reviews and everything on there, testimonials on my website. And yeah, I would love to hear from you. Love it. Thank you so much, Jackie. And uh, and yeah, look forward to getting unzipped. Do, do, do.